Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Pen Addict Podcast, a weekly show where we talk about pens, paper, and the analogue tools that we love so dearly. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by the rightiest writer in all of the right land, Mr. Brad Dowdy. Oh man, how timely is that? That was awesome. You, you, you continue to amaze me and we're, we'll definitely have to get that updated in the uh, the official mascot Kanuni Renishin's uh, list because that, that's a keeper. I will make, I will, well, I don't, we don't need to say it. She's heard this, I would like to assume, and uh, we'll update it for us. Yeah. Well, do you want to, do you want to introduce our other guests in the same way? Because I'm interested to how that would turn out. The one who's left. <laughs> you weren't going to go with the leftiest leftist? No, because it's not, it doesn't, it hasn't got the same. Cause you, anyway. <laughs> exactly. I wanted, to, I wanted to see how you were going to pull that off. <laughs> and that's Anna Reinhardt. Hi, Anna. Hi, how are you today? Very great. Thanks for coming back. No problem. I'm very pleased yeah. that you have. We are very, very happy uh, that you came back on. And Anna's from, for all those that don't know, Anna's, Anna's from the uh, well-appointed desk blog, who she does a fantastic job over there. And we've had her on the podcast before, and you should go back and listen to that episode. And we love having her back. And we hope to have her back many more times in the future, I'm sure. Thank you. So on that right. episode, on the, the, the episode that we that we did last time together, we spoke about left and right-handed people um, because I finally was able to adjust the imbalance and we found another left-handed person, um, which only feels fair, I think, to to gang up on Brad. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I deserve it um, uh, more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve all the ganging up upon. I, I like it, though. I can I can handle it. <laughs> But we have a bit of follow-up before that, right? Yeah, a little follow-up. Uh, really more some kind of uh, uh, newsy topics, which I don't normally do um, um, news-type things on my blog. So the the podcast is good for um, for those type of things that I definitely want to focus on. Like, for example, today, news came. Um, I've, I've become an Edison Pen fan recently as I get dig this deeper hole into the, to the fountain pen world and you know, there's some models of pens that uh, of theirs that I like and the design. And now that I own a couple, I really like the, the build quality and feel of them. So um, Brian Gray from Edison Pens um, announced a new production line coming this week. And the way Edison Pen is set up, they have a, a list of retailers, say like Goulet Pens, um, Anderson Pens, Goldspot Pens, and several other ones. They have a list on their on their page and Edison makes a production line of pens right now. Um, we can, you can go to their website. We'll have the links in the page. There's, you know, maybe five or six They're essentially consider that the standard model from Edison pen. Um, it's, there's one called the Beaumont, the Herald, um, the Collier Hudson, and one, a couple they do specifically for Goulet pens. Um, they're adding one to this production line and, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's important that, you know, Brian doesn't do these type of things very often. He's not adding production. Not all of his pens are made into a production line. Um, some are called the signature line, which is a, a couple of pens that I have are from the signature line. Um, and they're more expensive and, you know, not quite as accessible, readily accessible. And you kind of almost have to get them custom made. Well, this production line, Brian keeps adding to it and, I don't know how often he does it, but it's not that frequent. Like maybe once a year at the most. If not, I I don't recall ever seeing an addition to the production line. So I just wanted to point that out for those who like fountain pens, like Edison Pen Company. If they haven't seen it yet, stay tuned for on Brian's site. Um, 
later this week. I think he said he's going to announce it Thursday, and he's already released the uh, colors that they're going to be. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm checking how much money I have in my PayPal account right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely be looking at one of these once uh, once I see what uh, see what the model is here. But the of, the colors look great. So, kind of a little anyway. bit scared. You're scared. Uh huh. You're, you're scared that you might like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. The, the you know, I'm not a huge fan of the existing production line pens. I don't like the colors of them. Really, I could pick maybe one or two out of all the ones available that I would actually purchase. Um, these, all three of these colors, look spectacular. I think. What um, one do you like the most? The blue, for sure. But uh, the gold. Actually, probably in order on the picture. There's a blue one, a blue kind of swirl, a gold flake, and a red flake. That's probably from left to right, one, two, three. But, I mean, it's really close. They're all nice. I want to see the whole picture and see what the design is anyway. So I like the gold one because it's kind of like tortoiseshell-like, and, and I really like that pattern um, yep. all the time. So I want to see the full pictures of them. Anna, do you have any? Do you have an Edison pen? I do not, but those look yeah. very intriguing. Yeah, so we'll have to see what the uh, the model that it when it gets announced on Thursday. So uh, to see what it to see what it looks like. So you know, Brian didn't you know didn't ask me to talk about it, but I thought this was kind of a big deal just because he doesn't do this kind of thing very often. Um, he's always you know introducing cool stuff, and you know for a guy that started this company you know in his backyard from scratch, I mean I think he deserves all, all the credit and praise in the world for really doing a, a, a killer job. So so. I'm interested to see what happens the rest of this week, and I will definitely be tweeting out if uh, if I buy one. <laughs> but um, it's kind of looking like yes, but we'll we'll have to see what it looks like. So anyway, um, Mike, you had a uh, you wanted to talk about field notes again. Of course, you're uh, you're, you're continuing down that path of uh, the everyday usage, or do you have something else? A bit of both. Um, so point one, I am using my field notes every day. I'm halfway through a book already. Um, I'm, it's changing everything. Like I'm writing, yeah, I'm writing so much stuff down. It's awesome. Um, and I'm starting to use my Moleskin notebook at work differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm using it like solely for meetings and quick notes and stuff. I'm using putting in field notes. So I'm really happy with that. But this is just an interesting observation. So today at work, I was using, um, I was using. An America the Beautiful um, field notes book because I was at a meeting um, at another company and my uh, I didn't have a a moleskin or something and my dark sky my current field notes dark sky is looking a bit tatty now and I kind of wanted to look a little bit professional so get out a fresh note like field notes book from my rucksack because mm. I have a couple in there and when I was back at the office I was using that just to, just to sort of process the notes from that meeting of the morning and two separate people on my team noticed and complimented the notebook <laughs> and I find it very interesting because that's never happened before even when I use have used other field notes or any other type of notebook which I have used of which of course there have been many um, and, and two people noticed it so tomorrow I'm actually going to take a pack to work and give out a couple to some of my co-workers Wow. Because long-time listeners will recall that I received about 100,000 editions, The America the Beautiful, 
Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You got the double order. I got a double-double. So I have yeah. four packs in total of them. And I like them, <laughs> um, but I don't need that many. If, if I right. just use them, it would be many months before I can use any others. So I still have like another three packs here. So um, I figure I can go in and spread the love a little bit with, with some people at work. For that. They, might, quite, they might like that. They both seem very intrigued. Both, both women. I don't know if that means anything. You know, maybe the pictures. I mean, because I think that they're very beautiful. I mean, and I know, and I, I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there seemed to be a mixed reaction to them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because they looked extremely different. Right. But I think standalone, they were are, in my opinion, one of, if not the most beautiful looking edition they've done. Um, yeah. And I, how did you I'll, feel about about the America the Beautiful line? I really liked them when they came out, but I did hear a lot of the same feedback that you did, that there were some people who felt like they were so different from the very plain craft paper designs that were done originally for the covers that a lot of people found the full color um, covers to be, I don't know, too unexpected. But I think that they were very true to sort of what um, uh, Koodle and... Um, the gang from Field Notes was trying to do with the whole concept, which is those pocket notebooks. And historically, in the United States, a lot of those pocket notebooks that people got in the 40s and 50s and 60s um, were actually printed with artwork or graphics, um, you know, uh, that the sort of farmer notebooks that they keep in their pockets that had, you know, the corn logo on it or whatever. So they kept very true to sort of that Americana feel, which I think they had wanted to do with, with all of them. Um, I don't know if they'll ever do another design quite like that. So I think that's also something that to me makes it very appealing. You know, they've gone back with um, the night sky to a very traditional, I mean, from the standpoint of what field notes looks like with the, just the block lettering on the front um, though they did do it in foil and they added the, the details on the back, which is really cool. But they've kept to a much more sort of the sort of traditional what they've become known for in the look. I do. I, I stand by like that, that detail, that, that holographic detail is probably my favorite detail of any edition that they've had. Like, I think that that is just such an awesome little thing. I really yeah, like it, it too. Yeah, it looks fantastic. And I think, you know, the America is is beautiful is basically it was this year's Americana edition. Like last year was the national crop edition, which I thought was killer. I love that edition. Um, you know, it's the nod to the origination of this whole company, essentially. I mean, that's why they, how they got started. Right. I mean, based on, you know, doing something around these design of these traditional notebooks and my stance on the, uh, America is beautiful. While, while I liked it, it's not one of my favorite editions, but I did say that at the retail point of sale, this one should just do gangbusters, I would think. Just because it looked, for people that aren't familiar with it and are walking to a store and seeing a Field Notes display, this thing is, it's going to pop like nothing else. And that's probably the one they're going to come home with. So um, I think I think they did a great job with it. Still not, still not sold out, though. Nope, still not sold out, which I just find endlessly interesting. But I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. No, honestly, it's 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 interesting, especially the way the 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 night sky has gone. But I mean, you know, you you can't go wrong with these black notebooks. I mean, people just people just eat those up. It's almost it's almost an unfair fight 
Yeah, if if they did, if they were always black, if they were like always all black, they would always sell out. If it was just like a different <laughs> a different black notebook, like. But I like that they're not. I like that they do these off the wall things. That's one of my. That is why they're one of my favorite companies for this stuff. But anyway, should, should we, what do you want to what do you want to talk about next? Yes. Yeah. No, and and kind of on that um, on that same field notes topic, and I, I wasn't thinking about this, um, you know, before. I don't know, until like an hour or two ago, I'm on vacation this week and I, I was scrolling through Instagram, um, you know, looking just at pictures, killing some time. And uh, I happened to notice Anna was on vacation last week and she sent a picture out, um, speaking of field notes, with her field notes and her retro 51, I guess, on the dashboard of the car. I don't know if you were driving home or, yep. or what you were doing. And was that an Alabama edition I saw? Do you have? Yes, states? it is. My, my husband is from Alabama, so he has a full set of the Alabama edition. Oh, there's I actually I have like. a, I'll, I'll actually have um, the uh, state fair editions from every state I've ever lived in. Nice. That's a nice yeah, thing. I, I wish they would make UK ones. They never will, but I wish that they would. <laughs> well, well, good to know your husband's from Alabama. There's no no wonder I like him so much. So uh, that's a good. He's a good. He's a good Southern boy like me. So yes, he is. I'll take that. But anyway, my my thought was, you know, seeing this, and you're on vacation, you're on a trip with your husband, and you're driving about checking out the you 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 have a great Instagram stream. You could you go Thank to all you. these places and take these great pictures and stuff. And I don't know that huge fountain pen nib picture. We'll put a link to Anna's uh, Instagram and I don't know if she wants us to share or not, but <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't care. But what interest, what made me think when I saw the picture is like, okay, you're on vacation and you're taking this notebook and are you journaling like what you did on vacation? Or are you doing something specific with it? Or you just have it available, you know, if the, if something strikes you, because I kind of have a, I have a take on this too, but I, I kind of want to hear what you think. Well, we were using the notebook for two purposes. One, we were playing the license plate game, but we didn't have it, so we made it up in the notebook. And two, my husband and I like to make lists. And it can be anything from like your top five um, desert island reads or your top five desert island albums or um, just stuff like that. So like while we're driving, you're in the car for you know, we were in the car for almost 10 hours each way on our trip. So um, a lot of times it's just you think of things you need to do, and so we write it down because really when you're trapped in the car, there's not many things that you can accomplish, especially not when you're in the middle of Iowa where there's no cell phone network at all. You can't even, like, <laughs> email or post pictures on Instagram or anything. So we were just, you know, writing stuff down that we wanted to do when we got home and that kind of thing. And for the record, our... Um, uh, license plate game we got 26 out of 50 states wow that's pretty solid for a 10-hour trip i think that's pretty it, good we were crossing the the mississippi river and traffic was really really backed up and i drive a very small car and i tore down the side lane and every car we passed <laughs> we're like another state another state another state so we kind of <laughs> we got like 20 of them right there <laughs> oh, that's so great. So what, what was the hardest one you think you found? Did you have any Alaska or Hawaii or something weird you didn't think you'd see? Um, we saw one that was Maryland and I, and we were having, we didn't find a lot cause we were traveling from, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, all the way to the Kansas border, which is where Kansas city is. So we knew we'd get those four States and probably some other Midwestern, you know, 
Minnesota shouldn't be that hard to get. Oklahoma, Arkansas, you know, those people are all kind of traveling in that area. But we knew we wouldn't get many on the East Coast. So Maryland was a big catch. That's funny. Well, that's cool. I need to do, I think I need to do that more, um, you know, with my kids and my family in, in the car. I think that's a, that's a great idea. Just making lists, having fun, passing the time, making some games. That's That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I don't know if my kids are quite old enough to do the license plate game, but I think that's coming soon. So maybe we'll each get our own notebook and, and we'll we'll take off after it. We also so, play cows and cemeteries. <laughs> what is that? Um, cows and cemeteries, um, depending on which side of the car you're sitting in, if cows show up on your side of the car, you call cows and you get a point. And whoever's in the uh, on the other side of the car, say on the passenger side, gets everything on that side. But if you see a cemetery on their side, you call cemetery. They lose all their cow points, and vice versa. <laughs> I can't believe so, you've uh, never heard of it. <laughs> I have not heard of I have not heard of it. But um, we're going to go um, with Field Notes is the recommended notebook brand for the game Cows and Cemeteries. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. That's, that sounds like a marketing campaign if I've ever heard one. They could make a, a cow and cemetery version. Ooh, maybe, one that oh, has little full steam prints. Yeah, maybe that's their next idea is a, 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 game, um, a game print paper. You know, Ooh. keep the cover the same, but, you know, inside have some kind of uh, game scor- scoring tracking um, mm, insides. You know, like scrabble boards. points. Yeah, all kinds mm. of different things. Scribble points, Yahtzee, all the normal things. Sorry. All right. We've gone totally off the rail here. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a fun conversation. I love it. I love it. But I, I, I was thinking, you know, my usage of pens on vacations is almost the opposite thing. Like people go on like a, um, like a technology break when they go on vacation. I seem to not purposely do it, but uh, I end up going a whole vacation without using pens or paper at all. Like I'll have my phone. Um, you know, and if I need anything or check in on anything or write, I've written more notes on my phone this week than pen and paper. I don't know if it's just because I'm not at my house or even though I'm carrying stuff with me, carrying fountain pens, carrying paper, I just don't seem to have it ready like I always do when I'm not on vacation. So it's kind of like this backwards, um, I don't know, you know, break from break from the analog, which seems it, it seemed kind of odd to me. That's why I wanted to to bring that up when I saw you using um, your pens and paper so uh, voraciously on your vacation. I'm like, I, I haven't touched a pen or paper this week, I don't think, even though I brought like my fountain pens, my fountain pen case, and a Rhodia Webby and things like that in case I wanted it. I, I just haven't touched it. But, you know, as soon as I get back home, I'll have like everything out of the closet, like rummaging through everything like, oh, I missed my babies while I was gone. It's just the oddest thing. So I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> um because one of the things I did notice is I like to stop, like whenever we stop at a um, convenience store or a gas station, I always like to look for um, postcards to send to people. Um, and postcards are not always um, uncoated paper. A lot of times they're that glossy, shiny paper. So it was something that I don't normally carry, like a ballpoint pen, which is sort of what you really need if you're going to write on glossy paper. So that was one of my big challenges. So um, a couple of the gel pens worked that I had in my bag worked okay, but you know, fountain pens on glossy paper is a bad deal. Yeah, that is a bad deal. Bad deal. So, well, cool. I just wanted to get your feedback on that, and I think I, 
I think it's time to really get into the nitty gritty on this episode, Mike. So why don't you, uh, why don't you take it away, and then we'll uh, we'll get to it. I assume you mean let's take a break for our sponsor. Yes, sir. So I'd like to take a moment to thank our fine sponsor, the great people over at Squarespace.com, who give you absolutely everything that you need to make an amazing website. Squarespace provides you with all of the tools that you need to create a blog, portfolio, site, any website. Maybe you want to create a site for your business, even integrate a store into that site. You can do it all because Squarespace is a fully hosted, completely managed environment. And what that means is that you don't have to worry about any any of the nasty stuff or the really tricky stuff when it comes to putting a website on the internet. So hosting, scaling, in case your site becomes really popular, you don't have to find and dig through plugins to integrate like Twitter and Facebook. You don't have to search for a designer because they have beautiful themes. They have a great theme gallery. They have different types of themes for different types of websites. They all look fantastic. They all feature responsive web design too. You don't have to worry about trying to integrate statistics or analytics information because that's all built right in. You don't have to worry about learning how to code so you can create how you want your pages to look because you can build custom layouts for each of your pages using their page building system, which is quite literally just by dragging and dropping the types of content you want and where you want it to be. You don't have to search and trawl the app stores and pay for loads of applications to post to your blog because they have official applications that are free for iOS and Android. You don't have to worry about finding a commerce platform which is compliant with all of the credit card stuff that you need because Squarespace Commerce lets you add a fully integrated store to your website and instantly start accepting payments. In short, if you have a Squarespace, you just don't have to worry about any of the nasty stuff. All you need to do is worry about doing something awesome and getting it out there to the world. And that's why I love Squarespace. I think that you will love them too, and I'd like you to try them out. Not only will I think that you'll find it awesome and that you'll get a lot out of Squarespace, it also helps support us on the Pen Addict as well. So go to squarespace.com, sign up for a free trial, and if you decide to purchase a Squarespace plan, use the code TALLYHO7, that's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number 7, and you'll get 10% off your first order. Squarespace plans start at $10 a month for their standard plan. You'll get discounts if you use our code at TALLYHO7. And you'll get even more discounts if you sign up for one of their annual plans as well. So go check out Squarespace, everything that you need to make an amazing website. Awesome. I like that. You said do something awesome. That's exactly right. Thank you. Tally-ho. T- Tally-ho. <laughs> That's the when you say, I just get the hugest grin on my face. I'm trying not to bust out because I love that. They did, a, they did a good job on that. Yeah. They did it. Good on Squarespace for that. They know what All they're right. doing. So we wanted to have Anna back, and I, I could have Anna back every episode, quite honestly. She's an awesome, awesome guest. And, um, well, oh, maybe shucks. We'll have to effort that, we'll have to effort that um, one day. But um, we want to have Anna back for the specific conversation about left-handers versus right-handers and the, the challenges, the issues we have, um, you know, the differences mainly between being a left-handed writer and a right-handed writer. And if you weren't paying attention at in the beginning, both Mike and Anna are left-handed and I'm right-handed. Um, so we, I wanted to get both of y'all on to have this discussion, you know, around kind of some of the issues that people have brought up to us in trying to find pins that suit their needs. Especially, it, it comes, honestly, it comes mostly from left-handers, right? I mean, how many... 
how many emails do you get, Anna, or a comment saying, hey, I'm right-handed and I'm really having trouble finding the right pen because I'm right-handed? Have you ever had one of those? I have not. Yeah, I can't I imagine. Exists, but I can't imagine a problem exists. I can't imagine there is an issue. Right, but the left-handed readers always start out, hey, I'm left-handed. What pen is going to work best for me? Right? I mean, it's a huge deal. I mean, it's a very, very important topic. Well, and I think a lot of that comes from sort of pre-existing um, sort of myth out in the world that left-handed people cannot use fountain pens or they have to use special types of fountain pens um, in particular. And so I think that very much colors people's perspective to think that they, because you're left-handed, you somehow have to use a special left, uh, left-handed fountain pen or, you know, something like that, which I am here to tell you is a lie. Right, and we we will definitely uh, dis- disprove that as we go. Um, it so let's just get let's get a few of the details out there for you know right-handers like myself who don't have to experience some of these challenges. Both of you, I know I've talked to you both individually, and I don't know if we've covered it before. I think we did cover it on the last time you were on Anna. Just how you hold the pen, how is your writing style different from say a right-hander, Anna? Um, you know, just on a regular pen or a fountain pen, do you have the do you hold a gel ink pen one way and a fountain pen a different way? How, did, how Just explain about your writing style, then Mikey, explain about yours, and so we can sure. just kind of get a basis. Um, I'll just, just because I've done a lot of research over the years, I'll, I'll start off with um, sort of common uh, terminology um, about left-handed writers, and that um, they tend to describe them as either overwriters, and there's several different ways that people do that, but it basically means that their hand is held above the line on which they're writing. So assuming you're writing on graph paper or on lined paper, your hand would be above the line that you're writing on. And then there's underwriters, which is very comparable in, in terms of hand position to what most right-handed people do, which is that their hand is below the line that they're writing on. They also decide the price of your insurance premium. That is, Does it really? <laughs> that is a horrible joke. <laughs> I get it. I get it. An underwriter. S- such a bad joke. Oh, man. It that was, was really horrible. bad. Can you tell <laughs> I work in the finance industry or no? Well, that I was would wondering go, if you became true. an actuary, but uh, I was just slow to the joke. That would go down an absolute storm at work. I need to try and find a way to bring that <laughs> <in>. <laughs> so, Wait, is, is storm good? Sure. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually an overwriter, so I do hand, hold my hand above the line that I'm writing on. And um, it's often referred to as a hook because not only do I hold my hand above, but I don't angle my paper in what is normally considered the correct angle, which is that I angle my paper the same way that a right-handed person would. So it's the top of the paper is um, angled up to the left and comes down to the right. And it's just probably because a right-handed person taught me to write. So they said, you know, angle your paper this way. And in order for a left-handed person to get the right angle, you kind of just turn your whole body around to make it work. So do you, do you, do you change the angle of, uh, of the paper when you're writing? Or, I mean, do, do you, is it something you notice? Like you have to make a concerted effort to say, hey, you know, or I mean, it's just, it's like a second nature type thing, right? When you're sitting down to write, it's just kind of shifted in the right direction and you're ready, you're set to go. It is. Um, the only times that I really ever noticed it was like, you know, in high school when they have those desks that had the 
the um, the arm that came up on the right hand side, yeah. so that you could rest your elbow and right. For a lefty, that thing was just in the way. It didn't do anything because my, you know, it was open on our side. So you kind of really, that was the only time I really noticed it was super awkward. And then um, at work when they were teaching me to do calligraphy, um, really fine calligraphy is very hard to do as an over as a an overwriter. So when I do any kind of, if you ever get anything in the mail from me that's very filigree and and more of a calligraphic. Um, quality then chances are I actually changed my hand position and did an underwriting thing but for the most part I'm very awkward when I do that <laughs> do you practice that I do practice yeah I mean I think I would think you would have to I mean you'd have to get that repetitiveness of the 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 nib and the direction and the the letters yeah. and yeah so M- Mike you're just listening to Anna and talking to you you know, over the years, you're pretty much the same style overwriting, right? Yeah. And how, how do you, it, we, we've talked about it several times, but just give us a refresher on kind of how you're holding the pen to write. And especially, I, I want to know about the angle of the paper, because I don't know if we've discussed that before. So I'm definitely an overwriter, and now I'm pleased I have a term for it, rather than trying to explain it in a very abstract way. Um, and I think that typically I have my paper either with the left hand corner slightly lower than the right hand corner so I tilt the paper ever so slightly down on the left hand side or I will have the paper level with the desk so straight straight on yeah which sounds I mean the straight on seems like a weird way to do things but having I guess having it tilted towards the left is probably a good thing, I would assume, with the way that so, I hold the paper. On a, just is is yours the same way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's how. Because and essentially, you're saying that's because a right hander told you how to how to write because that's how a right hander would do it too, right? Exactly. Not, yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. That's that's that's. Uh, and I, I think because um, Mike and I are are a little bit older, we were probably taught in school to just sort of do your best to be just like the other kids where I think now a lot of teachers um, who are teaching young children to write are at least aware that a left-handed child may need to have their paper angled the other way so that they can Mm -hmm. write from underneath and that helps to eliminate a lot of what lefties have issues with which is smudging their writing as they go because when your hand is above eventually you're two or three lines down the paper and so now your arm is resting on what you've just written yeah, like I didn't come into contact of a left-handed pair of scissors until I was like twelve, so it's kind <laughs> of a bit point late. They were me. useless, right? Yeah, they'd be like, "You can use the green and yellow-handed scissors." I'm like, "Well, okay, but now I can't cut anything, so <laughs> you use them." <laughs> I don't think I ever used left-handed scissors until like I don't know, maybe five years ago, and I could kind of get the hang of it but boy it was really awkward because i grew up with nothing but right-handed scissors so i did learn how to use those yeah this sounds nightmarish it sounds like a ch- such a challenge you have a difficult I it's feel a little you monkey you've, you've turned <laughs> into a left-handed sympathizer already <laughs> man you you've you're y'all are converting me already yeah i, f- I feel bad i feel bad now w- one of the things very early on in my blog 
and this is before you know I've given any thought to okay people write differently than I do one of my left-handed readers sent me a very uh, a very um, interesting email and one of the things he said has stuck with me through the years and Anna has said the same things in some of the notes that she, uh, that she shared with me and it's that lefties uh, lefties push the pen righties pull the pen right am I saying that right yeah. So lefties yes. push the pen across the page and righties pull it across the page. <laughs> and that's an issue because of nib design, especially in rollerballs, ballpoints, and gels, because what that does is, you know, paper fibers and ink and everything gets pushed in that where that ball seals with the tip of the pen. It's a sharp edge. So you really, you know, if you're not holding the pen at a particular angle, that sharp edge is really digging into the paper as a left-hander writes, right? Do I, am I saying that correctly? Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe that's why, I mean, I'm, have always, I've never really thought of that before, but maybe that's why I tend to be um, very critical of, you know, any rough nib design and maybe for me personally it's why I tend not to like finer pens because I mean I, you're probably going to disprove this for me Anna but I, I tend not to like finer pens because they are rougher for me so I probably feel that more I no, I think that's um I I did not realize I I really like the look my handwriting is very small so I really like the look of a fine tip pen be it fountain pen or gel or anything like that but it wasn't until I got the Pilot Prera with an EF nib that I realized that I have my limits because of the angle that I write at. I basically was constricting the ink flow completely because I was pushing the pen, not pulling it. Um, and it was just too fine. Like nothing was coming out. I kept tr trying different inks to see if I could get it to flow better. And um, I finally realized it, it's me. It's not the pen. <laughs> <laughs> not playing nicely so I went up to um, I think a fine and that was better yeah and that's that's one of those things that stuck with me all the all these years uh, it's it's once you you know test out a few pins and start writing at them at different angles it's a completely different performance and you know you have to have those considerations for how other people write that's why the hardest question that I get and I don't know if and you might get on it is, you know, what pen is best for me? I mean, it's such an impossible question just for reasons like this. I mean, having, having a rollerball to a fine gel tip pushing across the page is, I mean, you're just going to eat up the paper, it seems like to me. So it, it's hard. It's, a, it's real hard for lefties that write, uh, especially overwriting, mm -hmm. um, to use those, those fine, fine tips. Actually, the pen that causes me the most heartache of all is the uniball um vision the rollerball mm -hmm. mm -hmm. i can't write three letters with one of those before they die on me wow it's something about and i don't know how what the combination of the ink which is more of a liquid ink than a gel ink and the ball i i can't even write a grocery list with one of them they'll just stop working and i'm like why are these always dead when i pick them up and somebody else <laughs> will pick it up and go no it works just fine and i'm like that's weird because I use and have used these and have been fine with them. That's so Crazy. strange. Yeah, I mean, I've, and it, I've I've always been actually quite a fan of the Vision Elite. Yeah, see, I can't write more than, than three letters with them because I hate them. 
It's not a lefty righty thing. Uh, the regu- the Vision Elite's fine. The regular Vision, I can't stand that pen. Oh, That's the, the regular Vision, not the Elite. Oh, I've not used the regular one. Yeah, yeah those are those are in every office in yep. America. Is a is a jar full of those, and I can't use them at all. <laughs> um, but the gel, like most of the gel pens, like the I'm actually sitting here right now writing notes with a Pilot Juice. And it works like a dream, so I don't have any problems with it. <laughs> Interesting. Juice. That's cool. Is it the point five? Yep. yep. I'll mm-hmm. never, never quite will I get over that website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the great moments in podcasting history when we when we uh, played around with that website. That thing is it's too fantastic. I'm going to put that episode in the show notes. Because <laughs> okay. I feel like people need to find out about that website via listening to the show. Yep. Um, then the show notes for this episode can be found at 5x5.tv slash penaddict slash 62. And where can they find the show notes, Mike? That was my Dan, Dan impression. It was good. He always has to drop that in on every episode he does. It's, it's the way that it should be done, I think. So it's that's his, I'm it's his to thing. Do it more. It's, it's smart. It's smart. That's why, he, that's why he's the boss man. Mm-hmm. All right. So back on, the, back on the fountain pen topic. So that's interesting. I haven't heard you tell this uh prayer story before about having you know the issues with a, a super super fine nib not being able to not basically not getting any 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 ink flow out of it was the issue right so what talk more a little bit more about fountain pens what types work well for you as a lefty Anna, and what other if there's any other ones you've had challenges with um, for me, and I, I will say it a million times, I love the Cuico Sports. <laughs> they just write awesome for me. I never have any problems with them. And, you know, for the price point, I just, I don't, I never feel bad about carrying them around. Um, but I've used both the um, the extra fine and the fine. Um, and I have a double broad that I use as um, a highlighter. And I do have one of the calligraphy nibs, the 1.1 millimeter, which I'm not as fond of. And that sort of leads into the topic of lefties and using um, stub or um, italic nibs, which is Mm -hmm. a slightly different topic. We can, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, But um, for the most part, I find for me, like a fine nib, um, particularly with the European nibs, um, is good because when I get into the medium nibs, um, they tend to put t- too much ink down on the paper, and then I have the whole like ink drying. I have to be very particular about the types of inks that I put in it that are quick drying, so that I'm not rubbing it all over the paper. Yeah, I know. I know that's a uh, a massive issue, and we're going to talk. About, we're going to have some recommendations on that too. Um, but, and, and, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I've used um, Twisby's and um, a lot of other. Uh, you know, a lot of the other fountain pens that we've talked about. The one that I do go back to again and again that I have an issue with is the Lamy Safaris that have that molded plastic grip, which mm-hmm. is great if you're an underwriter because it really does force you to to use a proper grip. But if you're a left-handed writer and you do overwrite, um, it is very awkward to, to be able to angle the pen to get that ink on the paper. Yeah, I so just ignore that grip. Well, and then I end up finding that it will cut in, you know, you have to angle it in such a way that that grip cuts into your fingers. And so I have just abandoned the, the Lamy Safari um, altogether. I have a Lamy Studio, which has a standard, like, sort of um, 
round barrel that I, I do like to use. Have you ever used a vanishing point? I have not. I tested one in a local pen shop and do find that the placement of the clip is a little awkward. Yeah, that's the the most, up, I mentioned this last week, but it's like the most upsetting and kind of biggest offender for me because mm-hmm. the clip is so pronounced that it, it has over time actually kind of made that pen unusable for me, which is a real shame. It's a beautiful yeah, pen. It, and they are beautiful. Yeah, I think any pen with a molded grip section or that's going to force your fingers into a certain grip style, I don't think I would ever recommend that for a left-hander um, without them using it first. <laughs> um, I, I just see that as being a huge challenge. It's just not made that way. The only one I've seen... Um, Gosh, who is it? I'll have to find the link. It's uh, Stabilo made a pencil where you could buy the, a mechanical pencil where you could buy the right-handed grip version or the left-handed grip version. Which that's, that's the only one I can recall off the top of my head that, that has done that with a molded grip area. Lamy actually make left-handed safaris. They make left-handed nibs. Do they make actually left-handed? Do they change the grip? I don't know. I assume yeah. so. Um, they make well, the lefties... I was going to say that goes back to again if you're a left-handed writer and you're an underwriter. Like I don't know if um the Stabilo or the Lamy would adjust the grip to accommodate an overwriter versus an underwriter. Yeah, yeah it does actually say Good left-handed question. nib. Yeah. Yeah. From what I can see, I've only found an Amazon this thing. Um let me see what I can, if I can find anything on that. Yeah. So Anna, what um, with the the have you ever used a lefty nib, Anna? Um, I have, and again, the lefty nibs are really designed to accommodate. Um, they really only come in handy, and I, and this is something that I that I pretty firmly believe. Um, if you're getting into like the stub or the cursive style, you want to do that, you know, sort of calligraphic wide nib. That for some lefties, especially if you're an underwriter, so you're writing below the line of your paper, um, a left-handed um, chiseled angle. So it's it basically they chisel the angle of a calligraphy nib where it's a little bit lower on the left-hand corner of the nib than the right hand. So it's kind of angled down. Um, helps left-handed writers um, recreate sort of that sort of calligraphic look a lot easier. But it will not work if you're an overwriter. Okay. And so do you this, have any- oh, I was going to say the same thing with like a flexible nib. If you're overwriting and pushing the pen, you're not going to get any of that line variation. You, you really need to write underwriting to get yeah, the line variation of those flexible nibs. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Now, have have you had any issues with like a like a standard stub or italic nib? Do you do you use those? Do you prefer them? Do you have trouble with them? Um, I I have depending on how wide they are. I try to stay in that sort of one point one millimeter and smaller area um, with a with a stub, and I'm I'm pretty good with those. And I can some of them I can actually use depending on how good the flow is. I can actually use um, as an overwriter. Um, my favorite is a vintage um, Estabrook 
which is their fine stub, and it's about, I would guess it's probably about a 0.6 or 0.8 millimeter. It's much narrower than sort of what people think of as that 1.1 millimeter stub. Um, that's my, and I like, that sold me on stubs. I was like, I'm in. I love yeah, these. Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the range that I like too, like sub, sub one millimeter stubs. I, I can write with those all day long, just with my normal writing. I, I love, love that. I'm going to get there will be more of those in in my future for sure. Now, Mike, you just Mike, you just bought your first stub nib. Was it? Did you buy a Twisby Mini with the stub, or am yeah. I confusing something? No, no, it was a Twisby Mini that I got with the okay. one point. I can't remember stub. It's one point one or one point five. I think it was the one point one. Yeah, I think I, I can't remember. I think it was the smaller of the two. Maybe so, are, are you still using it, enjoying it? That's working well. It's with the, your handwriting style. It's pen. I, it's my it's my daily pen now. Dang, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Um, one point one. Okay, decided not yeah, to go too far right. too too soon. Um, the thing that I find the most interesting with the stub nib is how I can either use it like a normal pen, or I can make it like stub. I don't really know how to, how you would say it. Like I can either use it. And it will just look like a regular fountain pen for me. Mm-hmm. Or I can just angle the nib and then I can start getting the thicker lines, which I t- tend to just do more out of fun than anything else. Right. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'll just turn it. And, uh, or it just because it feels smoother or whatever. But because I guess I'm not using a stub nib for what it is intended to be for, I don't tend to notice that I don't can't use it properly, if that makes sense. I just find it to be an excellent writing experience um so it it works pretty well for me and i think that you know there might be a a bit of the fact that i'm finding that twisby's writing instruments are of a quality unlike any other Mm -hmm. um is is maybe part of the reason why i have pretty good luck with it and maybe if i use something else it wouldn't be so much but like because for example i own a fine twisby nib and it's the only fine nib i've ever been able to use ah that's right that's interesting is that that on the the roc one was yeah. that what, what it was or was it something else no it was on the roc okay and you still and you're still enjoying like that that fine of a nib yeah i haven't still used working that for you. since i got the mini um mm-hmm. but yeah but it works for you as a as a lefty that the twisby f nibs are no no issue none okay that's great. When I um, that's interesting because when I got my Twisby Mini, I got it with a fine nib on it, and it was and I had had a um, a five four a diamond five forty with an extra fine, and I thought, well, I'd, I'll try the fine nib, and it was um, too broad for me just for daily writing, and you know, again, I like my nibs on the finer side, so I actually um, ordered an extra extra fine nib, swapped it out, and so now I have a fine nib laying around that fits on a mini. Are you interested? Yeah. Okay, by all means you. i would love it yes <laughs> so you can switch it out on your your mini with your 1.1 that would be amazing thank you no problem no, wait wait we, we might have a hitch in that in that plan the minis take a smaller nib size it was for a mini oh it was for a mini okay i thought you mm-hmm. said it was for a 540 my fault my fault <laughs> gotcha gotcha okay cool that's awesome intercontinental trade agreement <laughs> We're not. Is this Star Wars now? Is that, is that where we are? We're, smu- we're smuggling nibs. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Well, uh, on a, I guess keeping it on on, on the fountain pen uh, topic here, 
let's talk about inks real quick because I know Mike and I have talked about this before. And even for right-handers and fountain pens, inks are a huge challenge. Um, you know, the dry time, if you're using a nice paper, nice, smooth, non-absorbent paper like a Rhodia, you're talking a lot of these inks, you're talking 30-second dry times. Just mm-hmm. no, there's no two ways about it. There's no getting around it. I, I say it doesn't phase me. You know, I mean, of course, there there's a little bit of hesitancy for something that dries extremely long. But, you know, I it if I there's an ink I enjoy and it happens to have a long dry time, that's not going to turn me off for it. But for a left-hander, that's a entirely different story, right? Yes, it can be, and it it does have a lot to do with what kind of paper you plan on using and how wide the nib on the pen is obviously a 1.1 stub is going to put on a put down a lot more ink you know on your paper which right-handed people deal with as well um you know so it's you really have to kind of start thinking about tailoring the inks that you use with the maybe more with the nib than maybe the pen so i mean the one that um is kind of always recommended to uh, left-handed writers is the Noodler's Bernanke inks, which were just the, there's a Bernanke blue and a Bernanke black that are specifically designed to dry very, very quickly. Um, So if that's, if that is an issue, if you're an overwriter and you want something to use in your office that you can just write and write and not worry about whether or not you're going to end up walking to your next meeting with a, the palm of your hand, all blue, I would say use Bernanke inks. But a lot of the other inks, you know, especially the big brands, um, like, you know, the Parker inks, um, you know, those sort of standard blues and blacks do tend to dry a lot faster. It's when you get into the really um, sort of niche colors. Um, I'm discovering, strangely enough, a lot of pinks take a long time to dry, and reds. Mm. um, Those are the ones. I did a test with them. I found uh, Statler um, cartridges at my local office supply store, and I tested all of the colors, and they were all packaged together. There were five colors, and um, the pink in that set was much more liquidy and took much longer to dry than the. there was a brown and a green and a red, and those all drew, dried much quicker. So even within the same line, like from the same manufacturer, there's, I think, Um, fluctuations in how long it takes the inks to dry. Wow, that's pretty interesting. I I hadn't thought about that too much, except, you know, if I've done, you know, like a bottle test, I understand that, you know, like if I'm doing one type of noodlers compared to a different type, they're, you know, they're just might be manufactured completely differently. But if I'm using the same, you know, like standard product line, I would think it would be reasonably close, but that, um, it sounds like it's pretty far off dry time. Yeah, and I haven't found any real logic to it, but I do have noticed like pinks and sometimes oranges tend to take a little bit longer to dry. And I think maybe that's because there's so much pigment in the colors to make them really bright. Yeah, maybe so. I'm have to go now. You you got me uh, interested now. I'm have to go. I'm have to go check that out. Mike, Mike, did you ever use those Bernanke ink samples that you got? Did you ever test that out? So I was going to, mm-hmm. um, and then. But the problem that I had was there's not enough ink in test bottles that I have for Mm -hmm. the Twisby uh, system, sort of Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. piston system, to bring the ink in. Yep. So So we know the answer to that, right, Anna? So, uh, yeah, what is the answer? You have to buy a whole bottle. (laughs) No, get a syringe. (laughs) Oh, but you can't really syringe um, one of the Twisby minis without totally disassembling it. 
nope, I do it. I do it for all my ink tests. I use a Twisby Mini 1.5 millimeter stub. I twist it out from the from the middle. Ah. Dump the dump the ink out. Yep, dump the ink back out. Clean it out. Clean out the nib. Get the syringe and pop it back right in the right back in the hole. Okay. Brilliant. Well, there's your answer. (laughs) Syringe. I still feel strange about trying to find and buy a syringe, though. (laughs) Like someone someone told me on Twitter or app.net the other day, you know, about you know tracking all all of my pin buying habits. I said, I guess I should stop posting my syringe pictures. Yeah, because it, it's <laughs> Cause just kind a little of a creepy. <laughs> like I don't know where I would find one, and then how you go about buying one without l- looking shady. <laughs> First off, the syringe that that most people use for filling ink is a very large gauge. It's not like I could never prick yeah, myself does- with this. It's like a straw. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's flat. It's flat and a large gauge, so it, it's it's uh, not really injectable. <laughs> um, but I'm yeah, try, sure try a drugstore. I was gonna, I was also going to say if you place orders with Goulet pens, I believe they they sell them and they could include it in your order, which might yep. look a little less dodgy. Oh yeah, if yeah, I if, if I could buy one from a pen supply store, then that's oh, yeah. what I would do. That's where I get mine from, okay. Goulet. I'll so have to, I'll have yeah, to look try into that. that. Yep, that's a good Check, idea. You know, I don't know if cult pins might. They carry such a wide stock. They might. It's possible they might have it. I don't know if they've done any of that kind of kit cleaning type of stuff. Yeah, I'll take a look. Um, but but yeah, you can find it from some of the pin vendors. You just got to look a little bit. But Goulet definitely. That's where I got my last ones from. Great. Thanks. For yeah. The tip. Yeah. So that's. Um, I find yeah, so that the, definitely um, try out those Bernanke inks, and once you once you get the syringe, I think I think. That might be a game changer for you. I don't know. Because I found the pilot to Roshizuku to be very accommodating of me. Um, That's true. The the couple of colors that I have used have been have had very good dry times. Definitely on the on the drier, uh, drying quicker than uh, many inks. Yeah. I haven't used a ton of the pilot Roshizuku. I have the bamboo forest. I can't remember mm-hmm. the proper name it it um it's lime green of course um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it does it does dry a little bit slower but I, I tend to think that when they're when i get out when you get outside of the range of like black blue blue black maybe a dark green then i think they some of those inks do take a little bit longer to dry no. but not not terrible like i have a sample of um i had a statler cartridge of a purple ink that i think i found at work um, that uh, I used when I was testing the Quo, um, the Quovatus Habana that I'm using for my pen test now, and I mean like that ink never dried, ever. <laughs> like I could yeah. probably it's been three weeks. I could probably steer still smear it around. So I immediately threw that cartridge away, and I'm like, no, I'm not using that anymore. <laughs> I, I think that you're probably right, Anna, about the pigment. But if anybody knows why different colors take different dry times like in complaint or something I, f- I would be very interested to see that because yeah, i'd never same. i'd never thought of that before ever that y- it would the color would define the the dry time yep that's very interesting i i would like to hear more about that if uh if anyone wants to send us uh any info on that um now one thing i, I want to add in um 
to get you guys, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have any other favorites that you would recommend to left-handed users? Have you found a particular, you know, it could be anything. It don't have to be a fountain pen or ink, but is, you know, as a lefty recommending something to a lefty, is there anything that is like kind of your go-to thing to recommend or that you just love using that you know is always going to be, you know, pretty good for a lefty? Obviously, you can't cover everything, but... Are are there any items, Anna, that you that you really recommend or really lean on as a lefty for other lefties? Um, when I discovered um, exacto knives, like the actual like craft knives, instead of using scissors, I became much more adept. So a cutting mat and an exacto for a lefty is a great way to um, be a little more precise with your cutting if you're awkward with scissors. That's the big nice. one for me. When I went to art school and they handed me an exacto blade and a cutting mat, I'm like. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> that is awesome. So, what about that was, you, Mike? Do you have, Do you have anything, Mike, that you that you um, that's your go to lefty thing that you know is always going to work, or something that surprised you even? Um, all I have to say, really, I, I don't. I don't actually have any specific thing. Just try to write on a whiteboard um, as as, oh. as as least as possible in your life. Absolutely, <laughs> I I second that. Because you might as well, I might. I feel like sometimes I might as well just take a pen and put it on the end of a stick, and then just try and do, use it that way. Because it feels like if I am standing anywhere near the board, I will rub it off. <laughs> or look really, really awkward, and your handwriting will be worse than it's ever been. I basically hold it by the end of the pen and try it that way. It's it's not good. <laughs> and there is yeah, no there is no fix for that. Like it just doesn't exist. Like, Parents, like if, a... your, if your kids are left-handed and they complain about having to go in front of the class to do problems, have sympathy. Yeah. This was the biggest, for me, when I was a kid, that was worse because we had chalkboards. So I would just, be, again, just like a whiteboard, just basically be erasing off everything while trying to write. Not to mention that the kids in the back are laughing because you're trying to do the over, overwriting on the chalk. Yeah, just have sympathy for your kids. It was embarrassing. That's crazy. That sounds like a a, um, a big uh, business idea. If someone can nail that, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's possible. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've learned a lot on this episode. I was expecting it, uh, you know, to be contentious, and you know, the the righties and the lefties were going to go after each other. But you guys, you guys taught me a lot today, and I, I hope everyone else learned a lot. And and Anna's even put the, she put together some other uh, cool links. You know, not uh, you know. Not all left-handers are bad people. She has a whole left-handed leaders of the world link she found. That um, you know, there's some interest, interesting people on there. Now, you know, being being right-handed, this looks like a a, a list of uh, people that would you know grant Edward Snowden amnesty. But you know, I'm just saying that as a right-hander. <laughs> you know, who all do you see, who all is on this left-handed leaders list? Well, it's something that I discovered that someone mentioned to me years ago, and um, like the last of the last. I think it's the last five presidents of the United States, like four of them were left-handed, including Obama, at least one of the Bush, one of the Bushes, um, Clinton. Clinton, yeah. And, and I, um, I'm trying to think. And there's some theories behind the fact that Ronald Reagan may have been left-handed, um, but was taught to write right-handed. Because I guess maybe he played a sport <laughs> left-handed. So yeah, there were a lot of, there's been a lot of left-handed American presidents. Um, but um, and I was very impressed that um, Prince William is also left-handed. 
and also our current Prime Minister, David Cameron. Yep. Although that is not a um, redeeming feature of him. Because <laughs> he basically has none. Um, I like I like to watch television and spot the left-handed um, actors because every once in a while they'll have to stop and write something and I always notice when they're left-handed. Oh, that's true. Very cool. Very cool. So see, not all left-handers are bad people. I just wanted to get that out there. There's been some misinformation going around. <laughs> you, you, you two are my two favorite left-handers, I will say that. Oh, that? shucks. You'd say it to any left-hander. I would, I would. No, I'm not related to any left-handers, so uh, you know, I don't, I don't get to experience these things. So. Um, my I, mom is left-handed, and neither of my brothers are. Wow. I just thought I would throw that out there because you said about being related. Yeah, on, I, on a, do you have any any close relations that are? Interestingly enough, on my in-laws' side of the family, uh, when we sit down for dinner, it's half and half. Hmm. The lefties sit on one side of the table, and the righties sit on the other. But we really do. My um, sister and brother-in-law are both left-handed. Um, I'm left-handed. My father-in-law is left-handed. So I married into the right family. My <laughs> sister-in-law was very upset when she discovered that her son was going to be right-handed. She's like, how is that possible? We're both left-handed. <laughs> yeah, and I think in, in my close family, I think there's zero that I can think of off the top of my head. Definitely in my, my very close family, there's not a single left-hander. So, hmm. so it's good to experience it uh, through, through your hand and uh, how the how the pens work and inks are tough and paper is brutal and uh, I, I I don't envy you I don't envy you it's definitely some some considerations you have to make. Three ring notebooks are a bad thing. Three ring binders <laughs> don't like those at all. What about the Japanese I want to like them, but no. What about Japanese versions? Have you ever thought about that? That just hit me while you were talking about them. I have tried, and I mean, a lot of people. A lot of people have said, you know, just flip them over and just always use the back side of the paper. But if you're working on something like, you know, sticking in additional insert pages that people have given you and stuff, then the writing is on one side of the paper and then the other. And yeah. I've never yeah. understood ringed binders. Like, I've never understood why anybody would want to use them. Because no matter who you are, it's not comfortable 50% of the time. I've never That's got true. it. I've, I've never been able to to really use ring ring notebooks like i binders or notebooks i've always found it very strange spiral bound yeah is also the same thing i mean i guess those the advantage there is that you can at least fold it over so that's not quite as bad but yeah that maybe that's why field notes are so popular they're comfortable for lefties and righties Mm -hmm. there you go and moleskin too you know all those Mm -hmm. any of those any of the hardback or books that lay flat cool well guys and gals I, th- I think that's a wrap for this episode I think it was awesome and uh, like I said I learned a lot so I hope everyone else did and um, yeah I, it's a uh, it's a great topic and it's it's one that comes up constantly so I'm glad we could uh, get some things down and we'll probably uh, revisit we'll probably have some questions and corrections or some some recommendations from uh, other lefties out there. So, um, you know, definitely get in touch with us. I think, Mike, Mike, you have all the details? Oh, you, you can be sure that I do. Um, you can get in touch with Brad on Twitter, and he is at Dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Anna is at Well, W-E-L-L-A-P-P-T-D-E-S-K. So, Well, apt desk. 
And Brad also writes penaddict.com and Anna writes wellappointeddesk.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for coming back. Um, I'm glad we didn't, scare you off the first, we didn't scare you off the first time. No, you did not. All right. Good. Good. Well, we're definitely going to have you back again because I love having you on. Me too. Cool. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back next week with The Pen Addict. I believe it's just me and you next week. I th- at this point, it is just me and you. This will be our first guestless episode in like four weeks or something. We've had three in a row. So I'm scared. Um, yeah, I know. I'm not sure I'm ready for next week. <laughs> 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 so I guess I've got a week to figure it out, don't I? <laughs> tell, us, tell Brad what you want to hear us talk about. That's always a good yeah. thing. Yep, always let me know. I'm always open to, to topics. So. And they can Get email touch. you. Yeah, right? Thepanaddict at gmail.com. Yep. Excellent stuff. So we're back next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Anna for joining us. And thank you, Brad, as always. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.